So we've been talking about following Jesus. Jesus called us to follow him. And uh, Tim, Tim has been speaking, uh, Pastor Tim has been speaking about a lot, quite a few things, marks of this, marks of being a disciple. And um, the hope has been that we all can become better students of Jesus and actually help others to do the same. And uh, we've talked about the cost. Uh, discipleship costs everything. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs everything. Uh, we talked about how important the word is, how important prayer is. Teresa preached on prayer and uh, how important it is to be hungry for the things of God and not for the things of the world. Uh, and then a couple weeks ago, Tim talked about overcoming fear, which is actually plays a little bit into what I'm going to talk about today, uh, which is great. Uh, and then last week he talked about love, which is arguably probably the most important one. But uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll play second fiddle this week to love. Uh, that's fine. Um, so Jesus said, go and make disciples and not Christians. He didn't say make Christians. He didn't say make Christ followers. He said make disciples. That's an important distinction here. Let me pray real quick. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. God, I pray that you will um, allow me to, to speak your word, Lord. Give me the words to say, and I pray that I can bring help bring understanding. I pray that your spirit works throughout this entire service. Let us be in your will. And more importantly, help. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be talking about faith. Uh, and faith is, is, is tough. It can be a tough one for some people. Some people are good. I was talking to Tim about it, and Tim has a gift of faith. And so he's like, yeah, I'm faith. I love faith. And I'm like, good. Uh, some people, it's harder. It's, it's harder for some of us to, to, uh, to have faith. Uh, so know that I'm talking to myself, too. When I was putting this together, I, I got convicted as well. It's, it's something that we all probably need help with. Um, the thing is, is Jesus was constantly talking to his disciples about it. We know it's important because he, he dwelled on it. He talked about it so much. He rebuked him. He corrected him. He, he taught on this a lot. And uh, it's, it's tough because right now in our society, there's this prevailing attitude of this, this idea of self being more important. And I think that that plays right into the enemy's hands to talk about self, self, self all the time. You're, you're constantly tra- told to put faith in yourself. And I'm not, I'm not talking about having a, sel- a healthy self-image or, or being confident in yourself. I'm talking about what you put your faith in. And we have to put our faith in God. So let's start with uh, what is faith? What is faith? Now, when I was putting this together, I said I would not use Hebrews 11.1 because that's the verse that everybody uses when they talk about faith. So Lee, show them what verse I'm using. Hebrews 11.1. I told myself I wouldn't do it. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to make a point with this. So Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now think about this for a minute. Just take a second. What does that mean? It's a beautiful verse. I've always said it was a beautiful verse, but it... Off, on the face of it, it's hard. It's not hard to understand, but it's like, what, what is he actually saying? I don't, I, you know. So keep that in mind. We need to find out what exactly is faith and where does it come from. Now, I feel like many people mischaracterize faith. I feel like we have a different, a, 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 not a wrong view, but an alternate view of what faith is uh, with what God would have us believe. And um, like, for instance, yesterday, I would say that my faith helped Miami beat Florida State, right? <laughs> right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? My faith, I'm a Miami fan. I know I'm the only one probably in this entire building. Uh, but I, th- I feel like that's mischaracterizing it a little bit. And then you hear people talk about a leap of faith. Let's take a leap of faith. And I feel like it reminds me of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 
Has anybody ever seen The Last Crusade? Yeah. It's an older movie. I loved it when I was younger. They ruined it with the fourth one. I know it's, it's terrible, but this was a good one. And uh, toward the end of that movie, he's, he's in this tomb and he's going through several trials. And the second one he has to go through is uh, there's like a bottomless chasm out in front of him. And he characterizes it as a leap of faith. He has to make a leap of faith, leap of faith to get to the other side, which is way too far to reach with a leap. And so he steps out and he lands on solid ground that he couldn't see. Uh, and he gets across. And I, this is like a Hollywood version, I think. Um, I look at this more like courage. But people talk about this, a leap of faith. Let's take a leap of faith. And I feel like it's kind of missing the mark. The reason I say that is because God created us as spiritual beings. We have a spirit. He communicates with that spirit. Faith is spiritual. And I think it's seeing things or hearing things or knowing things in the spiritual before we see them come to pass in the natural. It's a spiritual force. It's the spirit of faith. Now, if you look at Hebrews 11.1 now, it comes a little bit better into focus because we know our hope, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Jesus, his resurrection, his second coming, our hope and assurance about what we do not see, the spiritual. We can't see the spiritual, but we have assurance through faith. Uh, it, faith requires us to come into agreement with God. And it's, um, it's not always easy. And it's, we don't always know when we need to do it. But it's more than just believing in God's promises. It's more than just, just reading the word and saying, yeah, that's, I believe that. Um, I believe it's owning them and obeying him by walking these promises out. So when I was thinking about this, I thought about what holds us back from faith? What are some of the things that get in the way? And I think a lot of people would say doubt, and I feel like that's true, but I feel like the greatest opponent of faith is fear. Um, doubt can detract from that, and that's part of it. Um, and Tim talked about fear a couple weeks ago and talked about how it can wreak havoc in your body and your life and your mind, and it's something that we have got to overcome. Um, doubt or fear is fear and doubt, but fear is going to hold you back every time. Faith is going to make you go forward and do great things. Simple as that. Fear, you go backwards. Faith, you go forward. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. It's spiritual. A good example of this comes from Judges 6, 6 and 7, Gideon. Gideon is one of my favorite stories. My dad used to tell me all the time about Gideon, and I just love this story. Um, and it's mentioned in Hebrews 11 as well, briefly. Um, and at first, Gideon seemed like an unlikely hero of faith, I'd say. Um, the angel of the Lord comes to him, and he's actually hiding at the time from the Midianites. The Midianites had kind of taken over, and they were stealing crops, and they were just oppressing God's people. They were oppressing the, the Israelites. And he's actually hiding in a wine press, and he's threshing wheat in the wine press so the Midianites won't find his wheat and steal it from him. And so he's sitting there hiding, and the angel of the Lord comes, and it says that he sits under an oak tree. Now, I don't know why it gets so detailed and tells you you're sitting under an oak tree, but I think it tells you that he comes, and he's just hanging out next to Gideon, and he greets Gideon as a mighty warrior, this guy hiding, keeping, trying to keep his stuff away from the Midianites, a mighty warrior. doesn't seem like he's a mighty warrior yet. So Gideon says, he, say, he actually says, pardon me? Like, are you talking to me? <laughs> um, it's great. And then he questions, he questions the angel. He, he questioned God's, he, God's power. He questions the promises of when God brought them out of Egypt and would let them live uh, in the promised land. He questions all this stuff to the angel. 
And maybe he's not sure that it's an angel yet. I don't know. But it's a guy, he, Gideon's a guy with doubts. It's a guy with fear. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be a mighty warrior. He comes up with all these excuses. He actually uh, says, I need a sign. And so he puts some food out, and the, <laughs> the angel of the Lord burns it up with fire and then disappears. And he's like, okay, that was God. Um, and so he, he begins to obey. He begins to, God builds his faith. And I think uh, he actually, you guys have heard the, the test of the fleece. He, he says he needs two more signs from God. <laughs> And it's just funny, like he's, this is an unlikely guy to be a hero of the faith. He needs, I need two signs now, keep the fleece wet, keep the fleece dry, whatever it may be. God does it. And then, okay, Gideon sends out messengers. Let's get our, all our warriors in. 32,000 men show up. 32,000. Does anybody remember how many Midianites there were? 135,000. So already your odds are pretty bad. Five to one. So God says, what's the first thing he says? Do you have too many? And who does he send home first? The people that are afraid. 22,000 Israelite warriors that are afraid walk away. No, no judgment, just go. We don't need you. We have to have faith and fear gets in the way. God continually, continues to pare down the army. They end up with 300 guys to fight 135,000. Now, I don't know um, how you see that, but to do that, you either have to have no fear or be wildly insane uh, to go against that many guys uh, with 300. But I feel like God was saying, okay, I'll, I'll do your tests. I'll pass your tests. And then I'm going to show you what I can do. By the end, Gideon uh, has no fear. And I believe he started to see it. He started to see the victory in the spiritual. Okay, so let's move on. What is the foundation of faith then? Faith is spiritual. It's seeing things in the, in the spiritual before in the natural. What's the foundation of that? Well, I went all the way back to Genesis, and I started looking for this basis. And uh, in the beginning, in the first chapter of Genesis, God spoke, and it was. Every time, God spoke, and it was. It actually says, and God said, quotes, and God said, and then light, dry ground, sun, moon, stars, fish, birds, animals were created out of nothing. And then he said, when he created man, he said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, I'm talking about faith. You might be like, why is he talking in Genesis? Like, what, what does this have to do with it? Just hang with me for a second. So in Genesis 128, after he created man, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. He transfers dominion to us. He puts the responsibility on us, be fruitful, subdue the earth, have authority over the earth. He delegated this dominion to us. So now he gives us the power to spread light unity, healing, blessing, whatever it may be, he gives us authority. So then fast forward to Jesus' time where he's constantly talking to disciples about faith. Keep this in mind, the dominion authority here. Luke 7, 1 through 10. This story stuck out the most to me when, about all, this, all the stories that Jesus, uh, of Jesus talking to disciples about faith. I'm going to read it for you. 
one through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whose master valued, whose, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. I don't know how many times you hear Jesus being amazed in the scripture, but he was amazed at the centurion. And turning to the crowd following him, including his disciples, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I have not, have not found such great faith even in Israel. So this is a centurion. He's not Jewish. He's probably a, respect, a respected captain. He's a, a leader in the community. A gov, he probably works for the governor in, in uh, Jerusalem. Um, he's not Jewish. And Jesus says, you've got the greatest faith in all of Israel, including all of the high priests, all the, whoever it may be, the leaders. He's got the greatest faith. He understood Jesus' spiritual authority. He understood this concept. He knew he could, it wasn't just because he knew that Jesus could heal his servant from far away. It's not proximity that he's talking about. It's, it's authority. He understood it. I'm a man under, he, he knows what authority is. I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. He gets it. He pointed this out to his disciples that this guy's got the greatest face. He wants, he wants them to learn. He wants them to understand the power of authority. He didn't want them to quit the first, thing, first time things don't work out. He doesn't want them to uh, fear or have fear of failure. That's just another symptom of focusing on yourself, like we talked about earlier. If you're worried about your reputation, how you look, instead of trusting God, this centurion was not worried about that. He knew Jesus' spiritual authority. He got it. He understood dominion, authority. We have to understand this principle if we want to tap into the true power of faith. So if you don't hear anything else, that's what I want you to gather from this. Understand your spiritual authority and the way that it plays into faith. So we, we hear everyone, always, you know, people always saying, have faith. Have faith that this will happen. Have faith, have faith. Well, how do we do that? Um, I, I feel like obedience is, is one of the main keys, and that's definitely a mark of faith. And it helps us. Uh, get to where we have the power of faith in our life. And when I was thinking about obedience and faith together, uh, it reminded me of a story that my wife told a long time ago. Um, and I'm going to read it for you guys real quick. A man named Jack was walking along a steep cliff one day. When he accidentally got too close to the edge, he fell. On the way down, he grabbed a branch, which temporarily stopped his fall. And he looked down to his horror and saw that the canyon fell straight down for more than a thousand feet. He couldn't hang on to the branch forever, and there was no way for him to climb up the steep wall of that cliff. So Jack began yelling for help, hoping that someone passing by would hear him and lower a rope or something. Help! Help! Is anyone out there? 
He yelled for a long time, but no one heard him. He was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you okay? Yes, but who are you and where are you? I'm the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, please help me. And we've all done this before. I promise if you'll get me out of this, I'll stop sinning. I'll really be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. God says, easy on the promises, Jack. Let's just get you down from there, and then we can talk. Now, here's what I want you to do. Listen carefully. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do. Okay. Let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me and let go. There was a long silence, and finally Jack yells, Help, help. Is there anyone else up there? (laughs) This guy has a problem with trust, right? And faith. So obedience, this type of obedience in faith, uh, in faith to God's word and his spirit, what his spirit's telling you, it works out in a couple of different ways. And the first way I want to talk about is how much our words matter. Our words matter. Words of faith. Uh, It's important to remember that God used words to create. There are power. There's power in words. Remember from uh, Proverbs 18.21, the life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. Super powerful. In, uh, in Matthew 12.36 and 37, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he basically tells them that they are going to have to give account for every word they speak at the judgment. And that's tough when you hear that. It kind of freaks me out, man. Every word. It's amazing. Words are very important, and I think he's trying to instill that in his disciples so they know. Um, let's move on to Mark eleven twenty two and 24. So this is where Jesus and his disciples are walking toward Jerusalem. They had taken the same trip the day before, and they had seen a fig tree, and Jesus had cursed the fig tree when it didn't give fruit. And so they see it again. They're on their way back, and Peter looks at it, and he's like, Hey, it's the fig tree. It's, it's withered. Like he's really surprised that when Jesus said this, that it actually happened. And Jesus is kind of, I think he's kind of miffed. And he says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If anyone says believes that what they say will happen. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. I wanted to point out two things, and this may seem trivial to you, but it's, I think it's interesting that he talks about believing twice and speaking three times. I think he's trying to show us the importance of our words. Speaking is super important. I'm not saying belief's not important. Obviously, that's important. But you have to speak it out, and there's power in your tongue. You have to know these things. Now, you may have to change how you talk, how, the words you use, the way we, we talk. And I'm glad that it's believing and saying, because if you think about it, some of the stuff we say, like, that scared me to death, or you tell your kids, don't do that or you'll break your neck, we'd be dropping like flies. If, that, you know, if you could just said it and didn't believe it. But thank goodness, it's believing and saying. Um, there's a power in when you unify these two things. There's power in that. So don't have fear or doubt in your heart, but believe and ask and expect it to happen. Now, the second thing, so there's words and then there's action. Now, 
I know this is the verse everyone uses for, for this, and, but it's so good, it's hard to pass up. James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. Now remember, I'm not saying that you can earn salvation. Salvation is free, freely given by God. But Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You got to say it. It's important. Action. Words. Action. Look at Abraham. Abraham received the covenant. And God says, you've got to pick up and move your entire family, all your cattle, all your everything. Not, that is not easy back in that day. And you got to move to the promised land. Abraham had faith. He did it. And then when God, he, he's waiting so long to have a son. And he finally has a son, Isaac. And God says, kill the promise. He had faith. Action. Thank God God stopped him. But he was willing. He, was, he had faith that God would provide. Look at Gideon. We just talked about Gideon. He was commanded to do what he did. He obeyed and took action. We've got to take action. We've got to change our words, have words of faith, and take action. This means you've got to change some things. You may have to change some things. I know in my own life, I say things I shouldn't say all the time. You may have to change the way you look at stuff. It's not easy. Let me close with this. I, I, I have one point that I want to make before we're done. Um, part of faith is trusting in God's faithfulness. His promises still stand no matter what the consequences, no matter what the, the circumstances. When I, uh, before I came to work here at the church, I, uh, I was a pharmaceutical rep, and they laid off our entire, one of my, basically, I think it was like 12 groups of reps throughout all of Florida. And we're talking thousands of people. And it really rocked me. I was like, man, what, how am I going to pay the bills? What are we going to do? And uh, through that whole time, it was tough on us because we had to have faith. And we still were, were giving to the church. We were tithing. And it was, it was tough. That's not easy to do when you don't have a job. And uh, I got to tell you that he is faithful through it all. We never wanted, we never suffered. There were times when we thought we might, but we got through it. And God is faithful. So if you look at his faithfulness and look at his promises that are all over the Bible, you can look in Psalm 103. You can uh, look, First uh, Peter 1 talks about the inheritance that will never spoil, never fade. We know from Romans 6, or excuse me, 8, 17, that we are joint heirs with Christ to this promise, to this inheritance. And it's important to understand we have access to these things through grace. Grace. Jesus' sacrifice covered us with grace. And Tim talked about this last week. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. We don't deserve any of this. We don't deserve the promises. We can't earn them. But we have access through grace. But listen to what it says about grace. As free as salvation is, as free as grace are, they don't come to you without faith. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. 
We can't have access to the promises without faith. We've got to realize this. Again, salvation, promises, they're free. But if you want access through grace, you have to have faith. Have to have faith.